Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's going <laughs> to pop eight, then you're going to pop her out, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. Uh, my name is Patrick, I'm your Legacy Newbie. And with me today, as always, I have Mr. Jerry Me. What's going on? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited for today's episode. I think we have something really good to, uh, to talk about today. Oh, really now? Yeah. Well, you know, we also have another host joining us today. Uh, it's not Adrian, uh, <laughs> as usual. Uh, I don't know what's happened to him. He hasn't gotten back to us in a while. He, he's lost somewhere in the woods of Charlton, where Bor- the hell he lives. Borneo. I heard <laughs> yeah. Borneo. That was sure. the last, last I heard. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, today we have our esteemed podcasting colleague, uh, Miss Erin Campbell. How are you doing, Erin? I'm great. How are you? You mean Adrian's not here? He is sadly not here. We're not going to hear the Boston Boston accent, unfortunately. <laughs> He's the thing that got me to listen to your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I get started, are we allowed to swear on the show or Absolutely. no? Absolutely. Okay, Erin, <laughs> our motto is, we're never getting a preview card. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because I remember the one time I swore on Monday Night Magic and I got like, oh my god, I, the the, out, the the backlash was swift. So, oh yeah, that's a um, no, that's a no no. I didn't know, I didn't know, but no, I remember the first time I listened to your show. It was uh, it was a while back and it was my first. I, I followed you on Twitter for a while, Pat, and I was like, I'm gonna finally see what it is that Pat does. And I remember just hearing this really thick Boston <laughs> accent, and you guys were talking about painter servant, and he was like, you got the painter servant, and I was like. <laughs> Did he just say painas? Painas? We don't like ours around here, clearly. I just, I was so enthralled. I couldn't not listen to it. And like, he would just keep talking. And I was like, I love this guy. I was like, I want to go shopping with him. I want to invite him over for slumber parties where we braid each other's hair. We watch the, we watch the city. You know, we just, we just get towny with it. And I just love him. So. I was he, very disappointed that he his died. his accent is so thick it makes uh, clam chowder look like paint thinner. It's <laughs> basically what I think. I love that. Uh, so so you know we're obviously here to talk today about uh, your baby, right? Your deck. We're here to mm. talk a little bit about dredge. Hopefully today we do less cell phone plans, more talk about actual <laughs> dredge decks. Yeah, but are we going to talk about the hilliest states in America, uh, hilliest towns in America? Uh, that'll be the stinger. We'll we'll save that for the stinger okay. at the end of the episode. Right. <laughs> uh, but first, we get into all that dredgy goodness. Uh, Aaron, you want to tell us a little bit about um, your background in magic? Yeah. Um, so I'm a podcaster. I've been podcasting for the last uh, three or four years. I started off doing a show called The Deck Tease, which was an interview style show about Magic the Gathering. And then I started another another show called The Girlfriend Bracket, which is about women in magic. And I'm also the co-host of a news style podcast, uh, a video podcast called Magic Mics, which I do with Evan Irwin and Ruben Bressler. I was voted on the 2014 Community Cup, where they flew me out to Wizards and I got to represent the community and we won. Um, I took part in the Community Super League just now with my my girls, we did that. That was a lot of fun. I've been participating in streamer showdowns. Um, I've been here for a while, and I've been playing what? Magic since <laughs> I've been playing Magic since seventh grade, and uh, it's been a long time. That is quite the resume you got there. Yeah, Erin <laughs> puts in work, Jerry. She, she puts does. in work. Yeah. She does. <laughs> uh, and you also just had friend of the cast uh, Kate Dolly on uh, Girlfriend Bracket pretty recently, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, Kate actually, so I'd been following Kate for a little while, and she had sent us a tweet, actually, and just gushed, and she said how much of a super fan she was, and our Katie was moving, and so we were looking for an opportunity to get another lady on the show, and we'd all been fans of hers for a while, the admiration was mutual, and we had her on the show, and she fit in really well, and she also gave us another angle that we don't normally get to touch on. We don't play a lot of legacy. We, we our, our local metas just don't really get into it, or we can't afford it, so it was really nice to have that perspective on the show, and she just uh, answered a lot of our questions questions and she made it seem uh, less intimidating which is good awesome yeah kate is one of my favorite people in our local scene she's really just really fantastic person to have around all right so you talked a little bit about your your local legacy scene what i mean what's it like do you guys get uh you know weeklies down there you get like a random monthly tournament does scg come into your backyard and host uh opens once in a while we have uh, we have two opens this year. Uh, the last one we had was in March, I want to say March or April, and then we have another one coming in October. Um, so we, you know, SCG comes at least once a year, and then we get our Legacy uh, Classic. Um, it's never been a Legacy Open, and then one of our local game stores has a Wednesday night Legacy that I actually can't make it to because I record Magic Mike's on Wednesdays, so um, so I, I can't really come to those very much. And that's really all that we have. I know some local game stores have tried, and they just never really turn out so we really don't get to play very much legacy here most of the legacy exposure that i get is from playing magic online or from traveling outside of the stage gotcha and in uh what state would that be i'm in wisconsin wisconsin there we go <laughs> i don't think that's the accent you know, that's definitely the accent in my it's head close though like if i was going to do wisconsin be like hey we got a dread return we're going to bring back an alish norn all sorts of Oh man, yeah. Elish Norn uh, cameoed in uh, in Fargo. I'm pretty sure. He was, he was <laughs> I was gonna say it's real close to that Minnesota accent, you know <laughs> yeah. that making a murderer accent. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that documentary did us no favors. Oh, it was it was yeah, I can imagine it wasn't. Uh... It well, it was even uh, like there was, you know, when people were thinking of coming to the open, I had offered, you know, I invited people to come stay with me, and they was like, "Isn't that where making the murderer happened?" And I was like, "Well, not in my living room, but from a, a couple miles away." And I was like, "So we, I even had a hard time convincing people to come for events." They were like, "I don't want to leave a murderer." And I'm like, "Well, leave that to me because I'll probably do that. You'll yeah. be fine." And, uh, everyone in Wisconsin are cheese eaters and serial killers. So that's what I heard. It's funny you mention that. I actually don't like cheese, and I haven't eaten cheese curds. I just tried cheese curds this year for the first time. Oh, yeah. I don't drink beer. Um, I don't root for the Packers. I'm I'm a terrible Wisconsinite. <laughs> so you just you're there for the frozen tundra, is what you're saying? Essentially, yeah. I don't really know why I'm still here. <laughs> now that she mentioned it, it's kind of depressing. There's that, no legacy scene. I don't like cheese. Why am I here? I need to come to Boston. Yeah, we're we're, we we're very fortunate out this way. We can. I mean, Jerry can attest. We can catch legacy games for you know probably four times a week within mm. like half hour, forty five minutes of where we live. So. It's uh, you know, we're we're spoiled out this way. We get to play a lot of Paper Legacy. Um, I wish. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. So, uh, before we get too far deep into our topic, um, I'm just curious. Kind of, we'll tie it all up with a bow here, because I feel like, you know, I listened to you a lot. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Um, and I feel like I feel like your deck choice speaks a lot about you as a person. And I want to know what what drew you to Dredge as a, as a deck. One of the most hated decks in Magic, I would say. <laughs> Oh, man, Freud would have a field day with that. Um, you know, for me, it really boils down to the fact that, you know, you dredge dredge breaks all of the rules. There are so many things that we are taught um, 
about, about magic that it's just the way it is. You know, you have to play land. You, you have to cast your creatures for whatever the mana cost is in the upper right hand corner. Anything you put in your graveyard is supposed to stay there. You're only supposed to draw one card per turn. And Dredge just laughs in the face of all of that. You know, once you get past like your first two turns, you don't even need your land. Um, you're not even really paying for your creatures at that point. You're not really, you're drawing essentially more than one card per turn. You know, you're just breaking all of these rules. And if you're capable of doing that, why would you want to do anything else? Like when you're in a format like Legacy, you can cast Doomsday, you can exile your whole library, you know, you can 12 post and you can, you can make Emrakul and you can play, you can get Merit Lage on the table. You know, there's so many awesome things that you can do and you want to cast Delver of Secrets? Like, <laughs> you want to cast an Armagoid? Like, why? Why would you accept that? Why would you not want more? We play Force of Will too. <laughs> we and play Brainstorm. <laughs> I mean, it even boils down to modern, too. It's like I play Ad Nauseam in modern, which I love, and the same thing. It's like, you know, when you're playing modern, you can gain a million life with, with Abzan Company. You can cast turn three Karn with Tron. Again, why would you want a dark confidant, <laughs> scavenging ooze, thoughtsy? Um, what kind of life is that? Like, I want to go to negative 53 and draw my whole deck, throw all my lands at you, and blow your face off. Like, that's, you know, just if you have the potential to do broken things, why would you not want to do them? And Dredge is probably the most broken thing out there, and that's why I love to do it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so. that's a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's been asked that question a lot, so. <laughs> but, you know, you're right, though. It does kind of it does kind of trickle down into my personality. I'm kind of the same way, where it's like I like to go big in whatever I do, and, you know, I think, you know, you're not wrong there. There's definitely some correlation there that I just don't want to – I don't want to settle for for fitting in or, or blending in. Absolutely. I mean, if there's one place where you don't have to fit in with the rest of the decks, it's the legacy format. You know, yeah. It's, it's pretty wide open when it comes to to viable decks. Um, God bless it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I start like I said, I started off uh, a long time ago in in playing standard, and uh, when uh, my second my second child was born, I just didn't have the time to keep up with all the trading and standard rotation, all that, and I jumped into legacy, and I'll tell you, I'm I'm happy I did. I don't think I'd ever look back. It's hard to go back. You know, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like Pokemon, where it's like, you know, you, it's like the evolutions. It's like, you know, standard is sort of like your Charizard, your Bulbasaur, your Squirtle, or whatever. And once you've had like a Charizard or, or a Blastoise or whatever, it's really hard to go back. You know, yeah. it's really hard to, again, going back to these over the top win conditions, it's like you can win with a, you know, I can play, you know, like I said, if I'm playing Ad Nauseam, I can win with a, a Lightning Storm for 17. And then you look at standard and you're like, whew, you won with a Thraben Inspector and an always watching like it just doesn't have the same oomph as the wind conditions in older formats do where it's like that's 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 pretty embarrassing you know like i want to you know i want to i want an awesome way like i want you to tell your friends that you lost to something insane not you know oh i lost to a hell rider like, <laughs> get out of here <laughs> so so speaking of losing jerry do you want to go over your uh your friday night magic at uh, gaming center this week Aww. uh yeah i don't I don't, it's, it's all a blur, Pat, you know. <laughs> can't, can't really recall what happened. I, I saw a bright great, light and. I have uh, perfect recall of what happened at that. I'd love to, I'd love to cover it for everybody. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so, I, uh, I took out Eldrazi Aggro for a brief spin. Uh, I finally put the deck together. I wanted to kind of check it out. Um, the first round I played against Nick Fit. Uh, it was kind of an interesting Nick Fit build. Um, I lost in three games to that. It was pretty close overall, but, there was a lot of uh, kind of like uh, keeping a one lander 
in Eldrazi aggro is usually a pretty big mistake, even though the mana in that deck is very fast. Um, it's just a little different from playing the Delver decks that I've been accustomed to, so I had a bit of a learning curve this night, so I started off 0-1. And then, uh, round two, I faced this guy, uh, Jerry, Jerry Meh, I think his name was, Jerry Meh. But, uh, <laughs> no, because I had, I had the buy round two. I no, you had the buy round one, didn't you? No. I've, I, I played your round two, I played the lands deck round three, and nope. I played Storm Round. We, Jerry, I have my notes played, right here, man. I know what I did. Three. I remember it perfectly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that means I would have had to flip my pages backwards, Jerry. Yeah, maybe you did uh, that. So, so I 2 Jerry. I 2 Jerry again in typical fashion. I think what? I played. No, you 2 won me, first of all. Look, I, look, just these lies. It was it was 2 0, man. No. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. I beat you. I'm turn my truth. camera on and show you my, my numbers here. You're lying you. numbers. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm putting it on the Facebook page. That's it. Oh my god, no. <laughs> it was 2-1 because I killed you with the true name nemesis. You couldn't get stop it. Oh yeah, you're right. No! no! It's on the back. My yeah. that looks like an L. You did uh, kill me. Uh, just, just, just happens the Watergate scandal was just swept under this rug over here. Thanks, Pat. No, he split the first two games and then, and then game two, I think I went like, like, uh, Eldrazi Mimic, Eldrazi Mimic. Um, endless one for three, and yeah. then like I felt followed with like reality smash in the next turn, and and that was that. It was yeah. pretty, uh, it was well, pretty brutal. So I beat you game one with your name Nemesis, and I was feeling good. Game yep. two, uh, I kept a really slow hand. It was like Sylvan Library, Stoneforge, Mystic, Jace, like mm-hmm. Brainstorm, and you just ran me over. And then game three, you go Eye of Ugin. Uh, mimic, mimic, endless one for two, endless one for two. Oh, that's what it was. And you had eight, eight power on the board, turn one, and I, I take my turn and I go, a tropical island, noble hierarch. Yep. <laughs> that's how that game went. That's okay, I still let you resolve a few one drops through my chalice for one, so that felt you pretty did. good. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and then I played a, I played a really interesting game, uh, round three against Red Green Lands. Um, and actually, you kind of saw the tense last few turns of that game, um, where I had, I basically game two, I think I had, I had, he, you know, he went off with, uh, with, uh, Thespian Stage and Dark Depths and then passed the turn because he's trying to play around my wasteland. And so uh, he thinks maybe I'm sandbagging wasteland in my hand. And so the next turn I play Phyrexian Metamorph and copy his Merrillage. And that we ended up just kind of staring back, you know, back at each other for, for the rest of the round, but. Uh, he edged me out pretty, pretty tight in a pretty tight game three. Um, but that was a pretty interesting matchup. I think that Eldrazi is maybe favored against lands if you're fast enough. Um, but some of the, like, some of the thorn effects, some of the chalice effects just don't really matter. So I have to find a better sideboard plan for that. Um, and then round four, I played against a storm deck. And, uh, it was the same guy who was at, um, he was at the, uh, SCG Worcester in the, uh, the open the other week. And he was playing oops all spells there. So I thought maybe that's what he was playing this time. He was actually on Storm, and I, I two-owed him because uh, Chalice for one, Chalice for zero, and, and Thorns are just really, really good against that deck. So um, I felt pretty good about playing Eldrazi this week. I'm going to put it together online. I just have to find someone to do the work for me because I want to trade out all my other cards for Eldrazi, and I still want to do the uh, running around for all that stuff. So maybe you can do it, Jerry. I'll give you like 20 bucks. You feel like you feel up to it? Uh, my office hours are $500 an hour. Um, oh, <laughs> Uh, I would expect two to three weeks. <laughs> um, so Jerry, you you took out your uh, your Bant uh, Stoneblade deck, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. 
<laughs> I'm just gonna say about my my F and M legacy. Uh, Wait a minute, Ice Facer, did you say Bant Storm? No, no, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's like brain brain uh, brain freeze wind condition. <laughs> no, I tabbed out for one second and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. No, I did a uh, Bant Stone Blade. Uh, and after spending the last six months playing combo decks, I realized I forgot how to play fair decks. <laughs> Serves you right for trying to play a fair deck. Uh, I know, right? Like, I was just, like, keeping one landers, just, like, like, oh, this, this'll work. <laughs> play dredge. One land hands are everything. I know, that's what I'm used to. I've been playing dredge, I've been playing sneak and show. It's like, oh, we got this. But, uh, yeah, I just forgot how to play fair decks, and then I also forgot how interactions work. Like, there was one I was playing against Death and Taxes, and I have two Noble Hierarchs and then Jace the Mind Sculpture in play, and my opponent has, uh, uh, uh what's the Pythian Needle the, on legs? The Phyrexian Revoker? Yeah, Phyrexian, he has two Phyrexian Revokers, and one on Noble Hierarch, one on Jace. I have a Swords the Plowshares in my hand, and just like an idiot, I'm just like, oh, Swords the Plowshares, the Phyrexian Revoker on Noble Hierarch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I could have just done the one on Jace, and then negative one Jace to get the other Phyrexian Revoker. It was just like, my entire night was just full of like dumb mistakes <laughs> like that. Speaking of dumb things, uh, the last time I did make it to Legacy Night, I lost to Bant Coco in Legacy. That, well, that's terrible. Well, there's one young man at my local game store who just loves like he's he's that guy that still has not recovered from Pod being banned in Modern. So, <laughs> you know those guys. Wizards has wronged him. He's very upset. <laughs> pretty much. So he moved from so when Birthing Pod got banned, he immediately left over to like the cord, you know, Malira type strategies with Anafenza and things like that. And then he played Kiki for a while. And then he showed up one day with this thing and it was just like, Oh girl. Like and so he played he'd keep Coco into like Stoneforge and Meddling Mage and I was just like <laughs> Why are you like this? And um, it, it just made me very unhappy and I was like, I don't like you right now. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you know, just so all the listeners know, I beat Jerry again. I know that's very important for everyone. They want to know when Jerry and I get matched up at tournaments. Uh, hashtag JerryGate is in full effect tonight. Uh, uh. The salt is real. Uh, but so let's move on to our main topic tonight. Uh, tonight we want to focus on Dredge. Um, it's a deck that has put up puts up results. Uh, it's one of those decks that if you're not packing your hate for it, you're you're probably going to lose to it. Um, and it's definitely a deck that uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with. Um, they they see it being played, and they don't know what spells are important to counter. They don't know what cards are significant. Uh, sometimes they don't even read the cards that are being played across the table from them. So I think tonight we'll... Good I love look. when that happens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> that card does what? Yeah. <laughs> My favorite card to do that with, and I know it doesn't, really, it doesn't see legacy play, but in modern, uh, we sometimes play with Vengeful Pharaoh. Nobody ever notices the Vengeful Pharaoh sitting in the graveyard. Like they'll swing in with something, and you're like Vengeful Pharaoh trigger, and they're like, Ooh, and then and then they look at it, and they're like, oh, oh, and then you, pull, oh, and it's like, yeah, it's never going away. Uh, I'm just I'm just picturing in my mind a uh, Monty Python style. Nobody expects the Vengeful Pharaoh scene. Right. <laughs> Nobody expects the Vengeful Pharaoh. Nobody ever sees it coming. Yeah, that is a that is a sweet card. Um, so we're gonna do kind of like what I want to call a level one point five intro to the deck. I don't want to do straight on you know level zero for the listeners. A lot of people here know the cards, 
Um, and if they don't, they can they can look them up. I don't want to have to read all the cards to the listeners, but I do sort of want to get into the 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 way the deck operates, Aaron. Kind of uh, you know how the main function of the deck. What are the key dredge cards in the deck, and we can kind of roll from there. So do you want to just kind of give a quick little sort of the elevator pitch of the dredge deck? Sure. Um, so the way the dredge works is it revolves around the, the mechanic dredge, which you can find on cards from uh, the original Ravnica block. And the the main goal of the deck is on turn one, you want to get a dredger in your graveyard as soon as possible so that you can start dredging. And you pretty much want to dredge every turn. Like once you have a dredge card in the graveyard, you're not drawing your normal draw anymore. You're replacing all of your draws with dredge. And as you dredge, you're able to trigger trigger things like Narcomoeba. Um, you're able to put copies of Bridge from below in your graveyard. You're able to put Icarid in your graveyard, some black creature cards to feed the Icarid, and your graveyard essentially becomes an extension of your hand. And uh, it happens very fast. Um, the And then there's an engine that sort of forms where, okay, so you get a Narcomoeba, and then you have things in your graveyard like Cabal <clears throat> Therapy, which have flashback costs of simply sacrificing a creature. When you sacrifice a creature, you have bridge from below in your graveyard, and multiple bridges means you get multiple zombies. And so you can sacrifice one lonely 1-1 one, one flyer, which is Narcomoeba, to your Cabal Therapy, and get any number of up to one to four zombies for your trouble. Um, and eventually you overwhelm the board with zombies, you're bringing Icarid back from your graveyard. When Icarid it dies because you have to sacrifice it at the end of your turn. That sacrifice also triggers bridge from below. Um, so you're turning one little creature into you know one to four zombies, and then this just keeps happening every turn. Um, and it attacks from a very different angle. Some people describe it as not even t- like real magic or typical magic um, because the things you're doing are just so so foreign to a lot of people, and you you essentially overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. How have you felt the deck playing out in Magic Online? Because I know you've been kind of jamming out with that deck this week. Yeah, I I think the deck's a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, where a lo- a route to a lot of the hate around Dredge and why people just hate playing against it is a lot of newer players or you know less experienced Legacy players uh, just don't have a lot of practice playing against Dredge and they don't fully understand how it works. Dredge can actually be a pretty interactive deck if you know what to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and it's also a deck that I think people people really sleep on their hate. You know, you have people that are like, I have two copies of Grapdigger's Cage in my 75. I've beat decks with two copies of Grapdigger's Cage in your 75. <laughs> if you don't have it in your opening hand, yeah. and if I don't grab it with Cabal Therapy, hold on to your butts, because we're going off. <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of people that assume that that's enough. Oh, I have four copies of Deathrite Shaman. That's cute. I'm still going off. And, you know, there are people that get very confident. You know, they hold... They hold that two copies of something in their in their deck and they either don't see it you know it's very common to see people mulliganing for something and they just don't find it or you're able to catch it with cabal therapy or you're able to play around it where in death right shaman is very easy to play around um and they just they, they get that false sense of security and i think that also leads to a lot of downfalls it's just dredge it ain't shit i've got i've got my two copies of rest in peace did you see it well no so <laughs> And, and a lot I mean, of times too, sometimes when they hit that two drop, it's already too late because you've already got a few powers yeah. with the beaters on the on the board, and it's they're already a little bit farther behind mm-hmm. than they want to be. One of the things we're going to talk about a little later is definitely the fear. You know, one of the people that I really admire is uh, Doctor Superstition from Twitter. He's yep. amazing. You know, one of the things that he says is make them make them afraid, make them show you the hate, and being scary. You know, and that's really how Dredge works. Dredge, Dredge thrives on being the boogeyman, and if you if you if you just stay scary, a lot of times you can win the game that way, just from the the reputation of Dredge, just from seeing what you can do, and that really can help you out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, speaking of staying scary, um, I, I know you've talked a little bit about Fearless Dredge and your proponent for that. Do you want to kind of explain what that means? 
Sure. Uh, so there's, you know, two main styles of dredge that I, I focus on. I, I have no experience with manolith dredge. I have nothing against it, but I don't know anything about it. So I can't really offer any strategy about that. But with, uh, with the Lion's Eye Diamonds builds, Lion's Eye Diamond builds, there are two ways that you can really go with it. The first one is called Fearless, which was, uh, championed by Richard Feldman back in the day, which is where you don't run any answers to graveyard hate. So if they find that one copy of Rest in Peace and they happen to play it on turn two, God bless you, girl, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> If you don't, then I'm coming for that ass. You don't play Ingot Chewer, you don't play Ancient Grudge, you don't play Abrupt Decay. You're basically just staying on your plan. This is what you're going to do. This is what you came to do. A lot of times you're not really boarding in anything. You're just sticking with the plan. And they either have it or they don't. And, um, you know, I kind of like that mentality just because there's so many stars that have to align for anti-hate to work. You have to know what kind of hate they're on. They have to have it. You have to, you know, not stop it with Cabal Therapy. And a lot of times it does feel very wasteful. You know, the few times that I have boarded in Lotus Petal and Abrupt Decay, I can't say it saved me. I can't mm-hmm. say that I won the game because I stopped a Rest in Peace or I stopped a Graph Digger's Cage. Um, you know, it also makes mulligans more difficult where you will have a really shitty hand, but you've got your pedal or you've got your Nature's Claim and you're like, well... I can keep this, and if they have the hate, I'm cool, and if I'm not, I'm fucked. And um, it just leads to a lot of unnecessary decisions that I don't think the deck needs to be worried about. And so I personally enjoy Fearless Dredge. Um, the majority of Dredge players that I see, at least on things like the Source, they like their anti-hate, and God bless them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me personally, I feel better when I just sort of say, this is what I'm going to do, and you either have it or I'm coming for your ass. And the, that's just how I like my dredge. The most extreme versions of Fearless Dredge I've seen, which I think are hysterical, are the dredge players who run 15 islands in their sideboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so they'll just, they'll take their sideboard and, like, in the tournament, they'll just take a bunch of cards, shuffle them into their deck, and then just go through and take out all the islands. <laughs> so it's like a mind trick that makes their opponent think that they're sideboarding in anti-8, but instead they know this is the perfect 60-card dredge deck, I'm just going to go on my consistency and just win with that. <laughs> it's also a mind game if they don't see you sideboarding. Like, if you're just like, I'm cool. Yeah. And then you look at them and they're like, oh, um, 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 and they're just sort of flustered because they're like, you know, they have to do all of those things to respond to you. Whereas if you, if you did fine in game one, and a lot of times we do, you can just run it back again. And that, you know, going back to the mind games, that really scares the crap out of people too. Is you're just so calm. You're like, I'm cool. <laughs> you know, running feeler stretch. So you're not running your, your sideboard, you know, spots for basically to fight against hate pieces. So what exactly are you putting in your sideboard for that deck? And, and what, what matchups are you trying to hedge against with your sideboard? So I've been kind of toying around with builds. Like I said, I don't play Legacy very much. So I'll just kind of think about the build that I brought to Columbus. So Elish Norn, we keep in the sideboard. We keep a number of Dread Return targets. Mm-hmm. Um, I run one Dread Return in the main and then one in the sideboard as the Silver Bullet kind of card. So Elish Norn is in the sideboard. Another copy of Dread Return for when I need to go for the for the Silver Bullet plan. I run a couple of extra copies of Breakthrough for decks like Elves that I know don't have any counter spells that I can really just go ham on. Uh, we run a couple of copies of Iona for things like uh, Miracles, burn, a storm, um, you know, things like that. Um, I was trying some Lotus Petals and Abrupt Decays. I wasn't really sold on them, but they were in my last sideboard. Uh, Revelark is also a spicy Dread Return target against Miracles that they don't often see coming. Um, we run some copies of Firestorm from when we're dealing with decks like Elves. It's also really good to bring in against Deathrite Shamans. Uh, some people like Dark Blast. Uh, some people like uh, Price Amalgam's been seeing a little bit of play. People have been trying it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, anything's really fair 
their game right now. You see some Ingatures, some people like their Wisp Mares. Uh, you see some copies of Surgical Extraction or like or a Leyline of the Void because we're the only... Dredge tends to prepare for other Dredge decks better than other decks do. Like We <laughs> yeah. know how scary we are, so we're packing. Um, I, I'm a fan of uh, Fairy Macabre in that slot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the sideboards are pretty diverse, but for the most part, I, I run it pretty standard. Ashen Rider is also a popular Dread Return target. Mm-hmm. We like to bring that in against lands. And, uh, you know, like I said, we try to have our silver bullets and then maybe some schmutz, but nothing nothing crazy. Yeah. So now with uh, with Innistrad, I mean, we can go through this real quick. Um, you already mentioned Prize Amalgam, but with Innistrad coming out, sort of being, uh, you know, the, the gothic horror zombie set... Um, you guys did pick up Prize Amalgam as a card and also Insolent Neonate. Have you found those cards to be useful in the legacy version of Dredge? I have I have had a lot of luck with them in Modern. I have not seen... I've seen people toy with Prize Amalgam in Legacy. I just recently added one copy of Amalgam to my main deck the other day. I did a Legacy League, and it was cute. I don't have enough uh, of a sample size to judge. But, you know, while we're on the topic, I'd really, I would really love to see both of those cards do something in Legacy. And I would just love to see some more innovation with the deck in general. One of the things I've really noticed as I've played Modern Dredge more is just how how vulnerable Legacy Dredge is. Like, when I'm playing Modern Dredge, there's very little that keeps me down. Like, I can deal with the Scavenging Ooze, I can deal with Kalidus, I can play around a cage, I can deal with, you know, so many things that Legacy Dredge just can't. Like, I literally fold to a Graft Digger's Cage. Like, there's no... I don't have enough lands. I don't have enough lands to hard cast a Sinkweed Imp or to hard cast a Golgari Grey Troll like I can in Modern. I don't have Conflagrate like I do in Modern that you play a Scavenging Ooze and you have no mana up. Great, I can dredge into a Conflagrate, kill the use and I'm fine. Um, the deck is just so weak in comparison, and I would love to see uh, just some tweaks to it where maybe we could be a little more uh, versatile too. It's, it's just something I noticed when I was playing Elite the other day is I'm just folding to so many things that if this was modern, I wouldn't give a shit about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that part of that also has to do with the fact that you're playing No Fear Dredge so that when they do get it, you know, you don't have an answer for it. I mean, it's possible, but it's also the fact that I think just the scene has changed so much, too. It's like, you know, when Richard Feldman wrote The Dark Art of Dredge Foo, which is essential reading for any Dredge player, you know, De- Death Rate Shaman wasn't really a thing. You know, Surgical Extraction certainly wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these are decks that, uh, these are cards that every deck is running for whatever reason. You know, are, there are things that, even if they're not packing them for me, <clears> like a lot of times I'll ask people, well, what do you, ha- is this simply, I'll see that they're boarding in something like Surgical Extraction, and I will say, do you have that for me? Like, what decks are you prepared for? And they're like, no. It just it just happens. it works you know and so there's just so many cards that we get caught in the the blast radius of that the scene has changed so much and you know I certainly love the build that we know and love right now but I do think that you know maybe we could stand to try some new things because it just seems like the way things are right now everybody's running Death Ray Shaman everybody's running these cards and we're just getting caught up in it and it's kind of crummy. So, speaking of prized amalgam, um, I actually just played against a spicy Grixis Zombardment list running him. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so, that was pretty interesting. Uh, I was playing Dredge, and my graveyard was just faster than his graveyard, so I ended up beating him, but I thought the deck looked very interesting. You know, oh, running yeah. four Faithless Looting, four Careful Study. Um, mm. he, had, he was also running, like, Days. Um, so it was spicy. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I love that. I love seeing some crazy innovation. Like I know there are some dredge lists that will run uh, Gataxian Probe to go along with Cabal Therapy, which is just dirty. And mm. you know, I love seeing the things that people come up with. And I would like, I said, I'd love to see more of it. I think that we, I think that we kind of need to adapt if we want to, if we want to keep going. 
Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, one of the problems with there being a little bit less coverage of Legacy now with SCG um, sort, of more, sort of moving away from the format is that there's not as much of a push uh, for innovation. There's not as much of a um, a reason for, like, the SCG grinders and local, you know, PPTQ grinders to innovate, build new, you know, build new, maybe not new decks, but innovate on existing decks and sort of hedge their bets that way. Um, so hopefully it's something that we'll see from the online meta a little bit. Um, where you see Dredge out, I think, actually quite a bit in the online meta, more than even more than in paper, probably because of the cost of Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, I, I think what it's just going to end up doing is just making it uh, even more regionalized. Different mm-hmm. regions are going to have different builds of the same deck. So, you know, No Fear Dredge might be popular uh, in the South and Midwest, whereas, like, uh, Answer Dredge will be popular in, like, the Northeast and California. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm happy as long as anybody's playing it. You know, I try to help anybody that I can. I've sort of taken it upon myself to be like an ambassador for Dredge. I did the deck tech for Tlaert in Community College. You know, I'm going to do anything I can to get people to play the deck. And kind of like Kate Donnelly said when she was on the show, you know, real legacy players just want people to play legacy. And it's like, you know, there might be certain card choices. Like, I might see a Dredge list that has some some loopy choices, and I might be like, oh, girl. You know, but, <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, they're welcome to come to the Dredge Family Picnic. We want you to play Dredge. We want you to play Legacy. You know, we really just want you to love the deck as much as we do and as much as I love this deck. And so I'm always happy to answer questions and look at lists and and sort of give people whatever whatever help I can. I've signed I've signed so many grave trolls, it's not even funny. Um, but, you know, really we just want people to, to get out there and play. Yeah. So two things. Um, first, I'm trying to imagine what the Dredge family picnic looks like. <laughs> well, the Manalist... It's horror show. Manalist is the kids' table. So <laughs> They have their own little Fisher Price table with like the plastic play mat or the plastic uh, the plastic um, tablecloth. Well, they they have a short adults. attention span. That's why they play Manalist because and we love them. And then the adults are at the picnic table and oh, we are having our talks and, and you know it's what it is and. Yeah. I like how literally earlier in the cast you said nothing against the Manalist Dredge players. <laughs> I mean, we at least invited them to the picnic. <laughs> it's not like they didn't get the Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing, too, is that uh, I actually really love that, that uh, the video deck tech you did with uh, Tolarian Community College. So you guys can find that uh, in the show notes. You can check that out. It's a really, really great kind of intro to the deck. And... Uh, I think that guy does really great work um, on YouTube, and if you haven't checked him out, you definitely should. So the, the other thing we kind of wanted to talk about um, are the cards that people look to beat Dredge. Um, you know, Legacy players will know a lot of these cards, things like Scavenging Ooze, Deathrite Shaman, Rest in Peace, um, Relic Progenitus, Tormod's Crypt. Uh, you can pack your Ley Lines of the Void, which I, I have in my, my deck. Shark? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did that uh, the the second game um, this past week against the Storm player, just like... Uh, Turn, you know, turn zero, just double ley line of the void. And he just kind of looked at him and was like, okay. And then I would go like chalice for one on turn one. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was rough. I actually said sorry afterwards. Like, that sucks. Like, I think, man, I think ley line. If that were me, I would have duct taped your car door. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I, I think Leyline of the Void is actually the hardest uh, hate piece for Dredge to beat. Oh, it is. That is the, and that's one of the reasons we dread Pox so much. Um, mm-hmm. Pox is hilarious for us game one because they always play turn one Liliana's and they don't know what we're on. <laughs> and they're so proud of themselves. Like they slam it down and they're like, Liliana, yeah, turn one Lily, yeah, discard. And I'm like, thanks. And I discard a grave troll and then they feel really dumb. But then I know when game two comes along that they're just going to mulligan for Leyline and my day is pretty much ruined. But yeah, Leyline of the Void is the worst one for us. Like that is the one 
where we we can we have a chance against the other ones, but Leyline is just if we're not packing things like Chain of Vapor or um, Echoing Truth or Nature's Claim, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then just rounding out that list, you have, like, Grafdigger's Cage, Extirpate, Surgical Extraction. I've seen, like, some of the Eldrazi lists run Fairy Macabre. I know you mentioned that, Jerry, mm-hmm. as being in, like, the actual dredge list uh, for the Mirror Match. Um, but I'm curious, like, I, I know you haven't played a ton of Legacy Dredge, Aaron, um, you know, locally, but how do you feel like its matchups are against, like, the top decks of the format? Like, um, say, a deck like Miracles. I would think that a, a dredge probably kind of runs all over Miracles in game one. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Miracles is quite good for us, surprisingly. Um, I remember when I first started playing Legacy, I was more scared of them. I was more scared of them. I was as scared of them as they were of me. Like, mm-hmm. I was going into it going, this must be really easy for you. And they're like, no, I don't want to be here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've recently started using Iona. Like, going Iona White kind of screws yeah. them because they yeah. can't Terminus, they can't Path. And so you really can kind of race them. Mm-hmm. Um, Miracles is fine. Eldrazi is pretty scary for us, but it's still a bit of a coin flip. Um, you know, I do want to talk about the hate for a little bit because if we have to, like, form a hierarchy, I do want to say that, like, Fairy Macabre and Surgical Extraction type effects are towards the bottom. Yeah. Um, those are not cards that we typically fold to. Like, for example, um, I played against somebody the other day in a Legacy League. I kept a really sketchy hand, and it was really hinging on me flashing back Faithless Lootings. And so I had, I only had three cards in the graveyard, one of which was a Faithless Looting. I had no dredgers, and so they surgical extraction for Faithless Looting. And that was my bad for keeping a shitty hand, and a hand that was really reliant on Faithless Looting. So if you're kind of already on the back foot and a surgical happens, then it can spell doom for you. But like, if you're just doing your thing, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to take your bridges. And it's like, well, that's still four Icarus coming back every turn, so yeah. I don't really care about the bridges at that point. So yeah. typically, you know, the extraction type effects are not something that we're too worried about. Um, things like Relic and Tormod's Crypt we can recover from. That's a lot of the reason that we run uh, Putridimp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that if you do happen to pop that, we can just keep one discarded and rebuild. Um, it's the things like Rest in Peace and Leyline of the Void that are very difficult for us. Rest in Peace, we can at least hit with Cabal Therapy, which is fine. Um, scavenging use is bad news for us because a lot of times the people who play them have things like Gaia's Cradle, mm-hmm. um, where they're going to have a lot of green mana right off the bat. Death Red Shaman, we can play around one. One Death Red Shaman is not bad. More than one, shit gets hairy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there is kind of the hierarchy of things I don't really worry about, things I'm kind of worried about, and then, oh, fuck me. Um, and that's just how it goes. <laughs> I would also say some of the most underplayed hate cards against Dredd, uh, Dredge are cards like Days, Spell Pierce, and Force of Will. Um, yes and no. I play, mean, like, if player, you... Well, players just give up on them. They just think, oh, Dredge is this uninteractive deck, I can't really interact with them, let me board out all my counter magic uh, for something else. But what they don't realize is that if you shut uh, Dredge down on its early game, you know, counter that uh, Lion's Eye Diamond, that Breakthrough, uh, that uh, Faithless Looting, that slows them down enough for you to get established. I would say it's on the Absolutely. same. It's on the same tier as like Fairy Macabre and Surgical Extraction. These are the types of cards that make Dredge stumble. You know, if they're yeah. already up and running, that's not going to be enough to stop them. But if they're already on shaky ground or they only have a mediocre hand, then that can be enough to win you the game. Yeah, I actually had a mulligan the other day going back to Legacy League. I think I kept a five lander, which which for Dredge is called a normal hand. And, um, I think I just kind of went all in on a breakthrough, and then they had they had cast Force of Will, and I didn't find another discard outlet. So yeah, you're totally right there. I wouldn't board out counter spells, but I also wouldn't bring more in, if that makes any sense. Like, I think- if you've got a little suite of like four and six, 
don't bring in two fluster storms. Like, just don't do yeah. that to yourself. It. I think it's more about uh, tailoring the counter magic because some ca- some counter magic is better than others. Like days and spell pierce are really good because they're pretty much live the entire game. Very rarely yeah. does dredge flood out. <laughs> no. Um. You know, I do want to talk about the corner cases too. You know, cards that people don't expect that hurt us is warping whale. <laughs> <laughs> thank you oh my god thank you we literally talked about time. this in spoiler season i'm like warping yeah, whale's really so good <laughs> i was facing a merfolk deck one time and merfolk's okay for us that's a little edgy but whatever i saw a warping whale and i was like oh isn't that adorable what is this standard? get out of here a little chuck on the chin and then they make the token and i was like "Ooh, i got you one one and then they sacrifice it and i had four bridges in the yard and i was like oh Uh-oh. and then so you play the token sacrifice the token and it triggers on my bridges and i lose all my bridges that's not, oh, that's, a only, really... that's not even the only thing too it also exiles a creature with one power or toughness so if you go with the icarid plan you can just exile the icarid it's gone yeah. it doesn't trigger the bridge tokens yeah yeah it could also counter my breakthrough it can counter some of my my initial start cards so that card's annoying um you know they're just little things like that um you can also bolt your own creatures you can abrupt decay your own things that happens um you can endless one for zero i've seen some mean eldrazi players do that they're like whoop and so um (laughs) there's also there's all sorts of little annoying ways that you can you can you can get one up on me i know a lot of the grixis players sometimes they will if they're on the young peasy cabal therapy plan they'll sacrifice a token for their cabal therapy and, and things get kind of hairy at that point. But, you know, one thing to remember with Dredge in particular is there's so many triggers. Um, if you have the ability to play the deck on Moto, please do, because that will sort of remind you what your triggers are. It can remind you how to stack your triggers, especially with Bridge from Below. Um, you know, there are ways to, to do combat and make sure that if you lose your bridges, you stack them in such a way where you will get your zombies and you're okay with that. Where you're like, okay, I exile four of my bridges, but I get four zombies and your thing is dead. I'm okay with this. And that's something you've really got to remember members it's really easy to lose yourself in triggers yeah, yeah. That magic online dredge is like the easy man's lobster yeah <laughs> like it the, like the deck basically will play itself if you let it <laughs> yeah but then like i said the tricky part comes you know when you do go to paper events and you're and you're on your own and you don't yeah. have that you know that client reminding you i stumbled mm-hmm. the first couple times quite a bit mm-hmm. yeah well, i've definitely seen like the really good dredge players reminds me a lot of watching uh one of our local players curtis is a really good enchantress player and that's another deck with a ton of triggers mm-hmm. and uh you know watching good dredge players is like, is like watching a good enchantress player when they're able to keep track of those triggers stack them properly to get the effects that, that are most most beneficial for their deck yep um uh, so you know kind of going down some of the other top tier decks um if you're playing against say like a, a shardless bug uh, how's how does that deck like kind of work out for you there? Um, Shardless Bug is fine. I mean, they usually run. They usually go with Grafdigger's Cage and Surgical Extraction, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, their discard spells are not great against me. Um, that's a fine matchup. Uh, Burn is hilarious for me. Turn one Iona. <laughs> I'm glad you came too. Um, Merfolk is kind of edgy because, like I said, they have all their counter spells and they can, and you know, they have curse catchers and things like that, which is mm-hmm. really annoying. Um, Sneak and Show is always fine for us. Miracles is fine. Eldrazi is like 50-50. Death and Taxes is pretty abysmal because they have Thalia and rest in pieces and containment priests. Fuck that deck. (laughs) Jerry Jerry hates that deck so much. Oh my god. I have never played a deck that's happy to see Thalia. It's just like, oh, that bitch. Um, (laughs) 
the Legacy League I was in the other day, I was facing death and taxes, and I it was game two, and so I was worried about rest in peace, and so I did Cabal Therapy, and I did rest in peace, and they didn't have it, but they had two copies of the new Thalia, and I was like, mm, mm. I was like, we're going to flashback to Cabal Therapy, so I took those two, and so, um, so I'm trying to think of what's seeing play nowadays. Um, you know, Lands is fine for us. They can do the Bajukabog crop rotation thing, which is pesky. Infect is fine for us. Um, most of the Delver decks are fine. Um, I can't really... Storm is a race, but it's a race I really enjoy. Like, I love facing Storm decks. Um, the other deck I really don't want to see is Punishing Abzan. Mm-hmm. Because those run Night of the Reliquary, which usually come with Bajukabog, and then there's Scavenging Ooze. They can Green Sun for Scavenging Ooze, and blech. Yeah. Um, and Deathrite Shamans, and just blech. Um, Elves is fine. Usually a race. We can go ham. Uh, High Tide is hilariously good for us. Um, yeah, I think that's all I can think of, unless there's a deck I didn't cover. No, I mean, those, that, I mean certainly, like, when you look at Miracles, Shardless, Grixis, or, you know, Four Color and Eldrazi, those are definitely, like, the, the top decks to be in the format. And mm-hmm. it sounds like your t- you know, one of your tougher matchups is... Is death and taxes, which is usually around, um, but that is, that is a really good snapshot of the the top decks legacy that you play against. I I think uh, Grixis Delver can give Dredge a problem just because it can attack from so many different angles. Like it's running the Deathrite Shamans uh, to attack on that angle. It's running Cabal Therapy and Young Pyromancer, sacking tokens, so they can make it difficult to keep a uh, keep Bridge from Belows in your graveyard. And uh, bolts too. It, yeah, just bolt their own stuff too. Exactly, and then they're also running Counter Magic, so they can. Um, you know, stop uh, the breakthroughs, the lion's eye diamonds, the faithless lootings. Mm-hmm. So it just basically, it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts against that deck. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's more of a race, though. Like I said, if I had to, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not, like I said, if we go back to the hierarchy thing, I would rather see that than, I don't look at Crixus Delver the way that I look at Pox. Like, Crixus Delver, I think I have a reasonable chance against. Do I think I'm great? No. But do I look at it and be like, well, guess I'm charging my phone? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now, tell me, like, where does Dredge, like, how does a good Dredge player get their edges? Like, what, you know, what do you look at when you watch someone play Dredge? Like, what are the, what are the things that they do that make you think, like, oh, this is a, this is a skilled Dredge player, or this is a new Dredge player? Like, where, where are the, what are the things that really good players do that are easily recognizable? Um, Cabal Therapying yourself, uh, I think that's something a lot of people forget you can do, especially if the game runs kind of long. I know when we go up against Miracles, you typically have to bring out your Icarids one at a time, because otherwise they'll just Terminus them all away. Mm-hmm. So there may come a time where you have, you've dredged all of your dredgers, or you've eaten them all with Icarid, and you don't have a way to keep dredging, and so you have all these dredgers that you've accumulated in your hand, and so you can Cabal Therapy yourself, and name something like Golgari Grave Troll, Golgari Thug, and put them back in your graveyard, and keep feeding your Icarid that way. Um, or if shit's just bad, if you've kept a really bad hand, like if you've mulliganed the five, you can also Cabal Therapy yourself as a way to get that dredger in the graveyard. That's something a lot of people don't recognize. I really think that a lot of where dredge gets its edges from is from the opponent. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't know what we're doing. And I don't mean anything shady by that, but, you know, a lot of times it really comes down to, does this person have experience against it? Does this person come prepared for it? And I can usually tell within the first two minutes what my opponent's <laughs> going to be like. And mm-hmm. and honestly, that's what we do. We capitalize on that player. It's like, like I remember I played a burn player once at an SCG Classic this was the first event I had taken Dredge to, and I was so nervous. And I remember he had Eidolon and the Great Revel out. And I just started doing things, and he was like, Eidolon trigger. And I was like, no, it's a Dredge, sweetie. I don't, I don't take damage from that. And then um, I remember when Icarid came back. 
And he was like, I launched it. No, that's that's just an upkeep thing. I don't take down from that either. And I just I felt I just felt so bad for this kid because he'd never seen what I was doing before, and he just assumed you know, he didn't know any better. And yeah. those are the games that I know I've got a really good shot against. Yeah. And you know, honestly, it's just about staying scary and preying on people's. Uh, Ignorance is a bad word, but maybe naivete is better, just because they don't know. So I think that's really where we get our edges from. And, and it's, it's, I want to be careful and say it's not rules layering. Like, we're not taking advantage of people. Like, it's not like that at all. But you just know, you just sometimes know that they don't really know what's going yep. on. Oh, I absolutely. hope that doesn't sound weird. Okay. No, no, no. I, I think what it, what it really comes down to is for a lot of players, it's kind of their own fault, because I know plenty of legacy players who are just like, Nope, fuck Dredge. My plan against Dredge oh, yeah. is that I hope to dodge it. That's my plan. Oh, yeah, but there, there are also people that will come prepared where they're like, three right. containment piece and two rest and pie. I'm not losing to this piece of shit. Now. Yeah. And, and God bless them. They're great people. But, you know, I do think we get a lot of our edges from, I think 50% of it comes from us as players and the other 50% comes from the opponent. Mm-hmm. And um, if we can capitalize on that, then we absolutely will. Definitely, you know, people don't do enough of their homework. And they don't know how the cards work. Uh, you know, I actually have a really good example myself. So playing against that lands deck, actually, Jerry was watching me when I, you know, so he goes and copies uh, Dark Depths with Seth being Sage, and I know there's a way to stack the triggers where I can wasteland uh, one of the two lands where he won't get Merit Lage, but I mm-hmm. couldn't remember how it worked. And so Jerry, sort of, you, you can attest, Jerry, you kind of watch the awkward interaction where, like, <laughs> if he makes Merit Lage, I'm gonna lose. And so that was kind of an awkward interaction where we kind of got it smoothed over by the end of the match, and I just conceded to him because I wasn't gonna win that in turns anyway. But yeah, certainly, like, kind of talk with your opponent too. I always recommend, like. One of the coolest things I do is like talk to my opponents after the match, win or lose, especially if they if they lose, uh, I'm usually less uh, likely to talk to them. But if they beat me and I don't know how they beat me or I have a hard time understanding how I can kind of hedge my bets against that deck, I will always talk to my opponent and ask them for advice. And I suggest and I'm happy to give that advice too. Yeah. Like I'm not, but I also if they ask, I'm really right. weird about. I I always try not to volunteer advice. Oh, no, or if yeah. I if I think they, I will usually ask. It's like, yeah. can I give you some advice at that mm. point? The other thing to remember too is when you're attacking into creatures. You know, we talked about bridges and triggers like that. Um, especially if you think the game is going long, I will not attack with the tokens because if we have to do that trade, um, that so I will attack with the Icarids, and that way if the Icarid runs into one of their creatures, then the trade happens, and I can stack the triggers and get zombies. But if they block a token, bridge doesn't trigger for me if it's a token creature. Okay. So it would just exile the bridges, and then I get nothing out of the deal. But if I know that I still want to do something, and still get something out of the deal, mm-hmm. you want to attack with your Icarids or your Narcomibas, and and that way you get tokens if they do remove it somehow, if that made any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely a good piece of advice. And like I said, you know, I always recommend people playing Legacy. You know, I still consider myself a beginner legacy player. I've been doing this for like a year and a half now, but I'll always talk to my opponent after the match. And like I said, and Aaron, you're totally right. I don't, I don't, rec- I don't like go and like solicit advice. I think that's kind of poor form. But I will always ask people for advice in the match. Oh, absolutely. That's, just, that's the kind of person I am. I've always been a very coachable person, and uh, that's. I think that's how you get better. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. how you get better in the format. And it's also a really great way to talk to players. I mean, one of the cool things about legacy players, and Aaron, you're very clearly, you know, kind of fall in this camp, is that. People play the decks they love, and they're passionate yeah. about those decks, and they don't, they like to talk about those decks, and um, they want to be proponents of those decks, and and get other people to play those decks, and um, that the cool thing about Legacy is that you can find people like that, and you can talk to them about their decks, and they're always willing to help you, almost always willing to help you out. Um, so I always recommend you if, if you're playing a Dredge player, and and they end up running over you 
ask them, you know, what what do we do in this matchup? Show them your sideboard. Talk to them about the matchups because a lot of times they're knowledgeable, you know, just as much as you are, and and uh, it'll make you a better player, and it makes for a stronger legacy community, which I think is important. Yeah, and I think they can also point out a lot of the little things, um, like things as simple as, you know, you should have used your Deathrite Shaman during my upkeep instead of your end step Yep. Yeah. Uh, type stuff. Yep. The yeah. tiny edges in Legacy, man, they, they're they're huge. They're right. Yeah. Huge. Um, so, just a, to re- a real quick recap on the deck, um, you know, one of the cool things about Dredge is that, you know, prior to the LED buyouts, it was a pretty inexpensive deck to put together. I think even with LEDs being what they are now, what are they, like 150 uh, the last time I looked at MTG Goldfish, uh, LED dredge is almost a thousand dollars. Okay, so I mean, in the in the kind of the way of of legacy, that's actually pretty inexpensive and pretty yeah. affordable. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, which uh, it sounds crazy, right? Like if you're a standard player or you play drafts and you're always playing with essentially decks that are worth five dollars, um, a thousand dollars sounds like a lot. But one of the cool things about legacy is that the format doesn't rotate. You can play these decks forever. Um, dredge is a very competitive, very viable deck, so it's not even like you're playing. I would say like a tier two deck. I think you're playing a you know one of the tier one one point five decks there, and that deck can always take down an eight man. It can always take down a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, it can definitely sneak up on people and 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 make some money for you. So it's a deck that I would recommend buying into if it's something you like playing. And and uh, people like Aaron are out there are happy to tell you all about it. And uh, <laughs> and, and coach I've up. I got my little deck. brochures. I go door to door, like you know. And then you can get invited right to the Dredge picnic. The Dredge family picnic. Exactly. It's a wonderful potluck. It's, it's a good time. I do want to touch on something, though, and maybe I'm kind of going ahead of, going, getting ahead of the notes no, here. But, you know, so I see something in here about tips for a player starting Dredge. And yes. the one thing I really want to tell people is that you have to have a thick skin to play Dredge. You know, something that's come up throughout the show is people hate Dredge. They hate <laughs> against it. They hate preparing for it. And I get it. I really do. But, you know, it's more reviled than Burn. Like, I think people hate Dredge more than they hate Burn. It's right up there with Infect. A lot of people hate Infect. A lot of people hate Storm. Um, you know, but Dredge is a really unpopular deck. And people will say things to you, and you have to be okay with that, you know. Um, you know, you have to you have to embrace that mantle of, I'm going to be the bad guy here. I'm going to be the boogeyman. And I think if you're okay with that, if you go into Dredge knowing that you're not going to make any friends, you're going to be fine. But it is one of those decks that is very unpopular for a reason, um, and you do need a thick skin. And it's a lot like Belcher. You know, Belcher, the people's canon, they have their little cult, and they mm-hmm. they live, eat, and die Belcher, and I <laughs> fucking love it. But Dredge is the same way. It's like the people that tend to play it feel that calling. You know, they feel that mantle that they put on, and they embrace it. And, you know, that's something I really want to kind of tell people is if you're going to play Dredge, you've got to be prepared for, you know, you're going to have people that are like, um, excuse me, your graveyard was angled a little too far. This is not an in-order graveyard. It's like, like you're just going to get people that you know want to piss in your Cheerios, and you need to be okay with that. And if you can handle that, you're going to have a really good time. But it was very sobering for me when I first started playing the deck, just realizing how outwardly um, hostile people were. And I, and it wasn't me. Like I knew that it wasn't aimed at me, but I had just never experienced that because of my deck choice before. Like there were people who, you know, I played Standard for a long time. I had played Constellation. People didn't hate Constellation before that. I played Standard John. People didn't hate John. I just had never experienced that because of a deck choice before. And it was very surprising to me. And then it was like, oh, 
this is a thing. And it, like, it only took me like a week, but after the week it was like, fucking bring it. But, yeah. you know, for somebody who's never had to experience that before, it can be very intimidating. We are like, oh, why don't they, why are they, why don't they want to play me? What's going on here? And it really is, um, it's a thing. Yeah, especially if that's their first deck coming in legacy format. It's, yeah. It doesn't give you the best sort of uh, <laughs> sense of the legacy community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So that's that's a good thing to uh, to watch out for, having thick skin. All right, so, Jerry, was there anything else you want to talk about Dredge tonight? I know we kind of went through quite a bit in the last uh, 30 minutes or so. Want to try out Vintage Dredge? That's about all I have to add. Oh, my God. I was talking <laughs> to somebody today on Snapchat, and it was basically like porn. Like, he started following... <laughs> He, started, he just started. He just started following me on Snapchat. No, nah, if you could just end, if you could end the story there, I was on Snapchat <laughs> and it just turned into porn. Snap, let me tell you about Snapchat. Though. I have made some terrible decisions on Snapchat. There is something about Snapchat that just throws your inhibitions out the window. Like you're just, I'm just, yeah. So, anyway, so his first picture that he sends me, we're going to drop that subject. But the first picture that he sends me is of a bizarre Baghdad, and he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm one closer to my playset." And then he was like, "Yeah, if I get a playset, if you're in, and you're in the area, you can borrow my bazaars." And I was like, "We're basically cybering at this point. Like you're just like." <laughs> Yeah, Grandpa Belcher as well. He's a big vintage lover. He's he does amazing things for the format. He offered to loan me bazaars if I come to Eternal Weekend, and I was just speechless. I was like, I, I, I was like, I don't know. And I'm actually not going because I don't feel ready to go. Like I feel very inadequate. I have a lot of issues when it comes to vintage, and um, I don't think I'm going to go because I don't think I'm good enough. <laughs> But I would love to. Like, if I was able to go and if I felt confident in it, I um, – and, and, and the only reason I feel intimidated is because it's it's amazing and the format is so amazing and I just don't feel um, I'm not worthy. <laughs> yeah. Part, part of the reason I ended up putting the Eldrazi deck together was because it got me very close to having a, an actual uh, vintage deck as well because there is a vintage Eldrazi deck. So um, I might be playing that at, at the uh, Eternal Weekend coming up uh, in September, I think it is, or October. The first time I saw Vintage Dredge in action, I literally got misty. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching a tournament. It was the, I think you guys call it the NYSE or the NY. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's, yeah, so it was something they were streaming. So they were streaming it. I'd never seen it before, and I remember watching it. It was really late at night. I think Randy Bueller was doing coverage or something, and I just, I think it was him and I, something about Ari Lax was there too. And I remember just watching it, and I was just like. This is how magic is meant to be played. <laughs> you know, the undiscovered paradise and the blood gas and 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 the bazaars. And I was just like, what? What have I been doing all of my life? And going back to Pokemon and the evolution, I felt like everything I had played before that was just a pale imitation. Where it's like I remember playing Standard Dredge, which was like Sadisi Whip and things like that. Oh yeah. And then there was like you know I I played Legacy Dredge at that point, but I was like this. This was another fucking level, and yeah. I was like I was just in awe. I was just like I want. I want to do this forever and just you know it was like that 80s song I'm like I want to know what love is and I was watching (laughs) I was looking at love that's what it was and Vintage Dredge is just fantastic you can tell you were a very passionate Dredge player Aaron (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah actually speaking of Grandpa Belcher he does the uh, he does the podcast doesn't he the serious vintage podcast I think he does, and God bless him. You know, we talk about people who, who who want to get other people interested in their format. He loves vintage so much, and even legacy to a certain extent. And he, like I said, when I mentioned that I was thinking of coming to Eternal Weekend, he was fucking on it. He was like, I will loan you bazaars. I will find you a place to stay. We want people to come. And and I, he's done that for other people, too, and God bless him. Like, we need more people like him because he 
doesn't matter what you play. He just wants you to love the format and, and Dr. Superstition and Brassman and all those guys and just love them all. Yeah. I mean, those, those are the people that I think best represent what Legacy is all about. I mean, for me, it's, it's just a, it's a fantastic community to be a part of. Um, you know, I, I went to my first Legacy event last June and I played Burn and I had never played a game of Legacy in my life. And I had, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> And, uh, and, but I'll tell you, like, I had a fantastic day that day. Actually, that was the day that I got to meet, um, uh, Jerry and Adrian. We went out to breakfast before the, uh, before the event and, um, I never looked back. I mean, the, it really has just a fantastic community. So if you, whatever you can do to get in and be a part of the community and add to the community, it's always, it's always great, man. I really, really, really thankful for it. If it wasn't for the people who support the community and the people who support us in the podcast, I probably wouldn't be playing Magic currently. So, I'm um, mm-hmm. very thankful for all that stuff. Um, That's wonderful. Are you, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Are you going to any um, upcoming events? Like, so they, I know they released the uh, the dates for the next few Legacy GPs. There's one in Kentucky at the beginning of January, and then there's obviously GP Vegas, which I think we all are going to that, right? I would assume. I know. Oh Jeremy yeah. Going to that, right? Yeah. The girls and I have talked about renting a house for that. It yes. started off as a joke. Like I was I was talking about it on Twitter, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we did like the MTG slumber party? And I was just kidding. That was my balance. <laughs> girl voice and i didn't think anybody was serious and then all of a sudden people started dming me and like women and they were like we're fucking in and then yeah. that damage ring was in and i was like oh my are we doing this and then i started talking to hallie and hallie was like i can bring my cube and we can like prep and we can cube and like so then we went on airbnb and we yep. just started looking at houses just like again jokingly we were like what if we got a seven bedroom house and it was just wonderful and so we look it up and it was like dirt cheap it was like yeah. 200 dollars for five days for yep. a person if you yep. got six or seven people and I was like we could fucking do this and yeah. so assuming that the girls and I don't have like a massive row in the next six months or something um, we are probably going to have the Girlfriend Bracket House and it's going to be oh, all the awesome. players and we're all going to play different formats and practice and it's going to be amazing that's great yeah we uh, we went out to uh, Jerry and I went out to GP Columbus and we rented a house out there and it was like I think it would cost us like 70 bucks for four nights per person yeah 70 no, bucks per person it was pretty insane. So yeah, it was, we did the same method of Airbnb. So I highly recommend people, if you're going out to Vegas, to check Airbnb first. Um, because it's always nice to have, first of all, a house where you can bring anyone in you want, have a real good time, make a bunch of noise, have, you know, have a few drinks and no one's going to give you a hard time about it. And, uh, it's just, it gives you a community spot for people to meet up to and, and hang out. We, we hosted a few drafts at the, uh, at the house at GP Columbus, which is a lot of fun. We did a bunch of Eternal Masters drafts and, and, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. If, uh, when Jerry and I get out there, we'll have to, uh, come up and meet. We'll jam some legacy games. We have a house for GP Indy in three weeks, too. My birthday is that weekend. And, uh, so we got a house. It's our first time using Airbnb, so hopefully it goes well. But we got a nice little three-bedroom house for, for me, Chris, and our friend Aaron. And, uh, it was really funny. I had never used Airbnb before. And, and the, the house that we found, it said $800 security deposit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, does that mean we gotta pay that? And she was like, no, that's only if we destroy the place. And I was like, well, shit, there goes my birthday Coke bin. <laughs> I guess we gotta play nice in Indy. And Aaron so. just punching holes through the wall. Paul's yelling, rest in peace as a bitch. Like. <laughs> fuck rest in peace. <laughs> 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 fucking line of the void. Did I ever tell you the fuck rest in peace story? No, okay. I want to hear so, the story. So there was an episode of The Girl from Bracket where I think this was shortly after GP Oakland where I went on a big fuck rest in peace tangent. And this is right around the time they started doing like the daily updates where they like started plugging... <laughs> 
content or whatever. And so I, it was towards the end of the show, but I was like, fuck rest in peace. Fuck everybody involved in its creation. Fuck, every, fuck everybody. The only person who's immune to that is Therese Nielsen. Cause she's a fucking goddess, but you know, she painted it, but otherwise everybody else, fuck them. Um, and so I went on this huge tangent and then like that later that week, like Rasmussen was like, you know, be sure to tune into the girlfriend bracket this week for oh, a real episode. I'm like, oh, and I was talking to Robert Schuster, who works for Wizards, who's fabulous. And I said, Robert, a DM, and I was like, should I tell Blake that I swore a lot in that episode? And Robert's like, probably best if you don't. And so we just left it up there. It's easier to ask for God, forgiveness. And thank God no one said anything, but I was waiting for that backlash. Oh. Fucking top of Reddit, girlfriend bracket, Aaron Campbell, rest in peace, weather channel. And I was just like, oh God, some, some concerned parent is going to hear this and be like, you know, she was talking about rest in peace. And God bless them. <laughs> well, if you ever had to play Dredge against that card, I think they would understand your uh, your outrage. <laughs> I've had people offer to or threaten to give me like the signed, um, you know, Therese Nielsen when she has her artists. Um, you can buy the little art for like fifteen dollars, a little yeah. thing. And I've had so many people that are like, "I would send you a sign, send you a signed recipe." So like, <laughs> there, just send it back. We'll, we'll start a bonfire. Back. We'll start a bonfire at the Dredge Family picnic. We're gonna throw all our graveyard hate in the fire and make marshmallows. It'll be oh. glorious. <laughs> Uh, it's like Adrian going around and buying up every copy of Counterbalance to burn. Yeah, which, which, by the way, the, a week later, someone did go and, like, buy Yeah, I fucking loved it. Like, three days after the cast was released, where Adrian talked about a buyout conspiracy he was starting, someone buys out the card. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. We have I love Adrian. Yeah, we haven't confirmed it wasn't him. That's true. He did never deny. Maybe that's why he's not here. He's off in Aruba somewhere on his soul counterbalances like I don't told those guys <laughs> oh man <laughs> just imagine him in like a fancy beach resort trying to pronounce the drink name like yo can I get a daiquiri <laughs> it's a daiquiri well I will, I will tell you this uh, so uh, we, we kind of talked about this in the cast prior when we did our GP Columbus recap but uh, you know myself Jerry Aaron and uh, Ruben and our friend Ian we all went out to uh, to dinner at Rodizio's which is a uh Brazilian Steakhouse out in Columbus and uh, had a had a great time. And then Adrian, for the last oh, year or so, has been telling us about this this uh, uh, steakhouse in this Brazilian Steakhouse in Worcester. So after the Worcester Open, we go to this Brazilian Steakhouse, and 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 Aaron, I'm going to tell you right now, it was not the same. Aww. It was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. Jerry, was it close? It wasn't close, right? No, I mean, close. Aaron wasn't there salivating over the uh, strapping Brazilian men carrying large <laughs> trays true. of meat. That's true. <laughs> They kept they kept shooing Jerry and I away from like where they were making it and yeah. everyone else food. They kept telling us to go sit down. Uh, it was uh it was, it was a bad deal. And there was no like you know there was no there was no hourglass to tell people when to stop bringing us meat. My they just just uh, my favorite part of Columbus though was Aaron. You were like telling a story and you just so they had the hourglass where it's like green on one side, red on the other. So you flip it green if you want more meat, red if you want uh no more meat. And Erin was telling a story, and she, like, takes the timer and uses it as, like, a was using it as a prop. <laughs> so the waiter just kept, like, lurching forward and then, like, taking a step back. And then, like, a, a minute later would, like, lurch forward and then take a step back. <laughs> 
and Ruben had to take it out of my hands. And yeah. Just like, stop playing, Aaron. But no, I think we were telling. A, I think I was telling a, a you know, t- in typical fashion, I was telling a dirty story about how you could use that thing for like foreplay, where it's like you're in the mood, you're not in the mood. Go there, don't go there. And we were just tilting the thing back and forth, and the poor waiter and and Ruben, Ruben and I, I love Ruben to death, and Ruben was very much like the you know the dad there. It's like okay, you're done playing, don't stop playing the food. And so he had to take my toy away from me, and it was uh, it was a good time. And God bless Ruben, his mom spoiled us rotten when we were in Columbus. If you ever get the chance to stay at Casa de Bressler, you need to do it because his mom rolled out all of the stops for us. We had challah French toast just about every day. Um, she got on the horn and made sure we had air conditioning because when we got there, the AC was broken. Mm-hmm. And she went through hell and high water on a Friday afternoon to get the AC fixed. And Ruben is a gem. Their house is sweet. I slept on the... They had a spare bedroom that had a... I don't know like what the proper name is, but it was like... It was almost like a patio. Like So mm-hmm. there was a balcony and then there were like uh, screens all around it and then a roof. I literally slept oh, it was like outside. A room, right? Essentially, yeah. I slept outside and it was beautiful. There were stars all around me and the moon and the breeze and it was just it was just heaven from top to bottom. Oh, and so, you know, shout out to Ruben and his family for taking such good care of us. How was your Jeep in Columbus, by the way? Because I did get a chance to, that was the first time I got it to meet you in person. And, I uh, lost my winning in. Um, yeah. So I was five and three and I was really close and I was like, all right, I got to do one more. And I lost, uh, I faced a lot of stone blade that day. I wasn't expecting to see it. I faced it twice and I lost to that deck twice, which was, which was disappointing. Um, I faced a lot of things I wasn't prepared for. I only faced miracles once. I didn't face Eldrazi at all. Um, I had fun, but I, I wasn't my best. I'll, mm-hmm. just, I'll just put it that way. Like I, I wasn't the best loser in some games, and um, I, I missed my friends. Like I, I'm not used to going to GPs by myself, you mm-hmm. know. And Ruben and I weren't together for a lot of it because we were both playing, and so, um, you know, it was okay, but it definitely wasn't my my best GP. Yeah, I mean, for me, Columbus was like was my first GP that I went to to play in, but because we had so many people who knew that we were coming, uh, who came out there to see us, and it was really fun for me. But I can understand sort of being in like that size event without anyone to keep you grounded or to kind of check in with round by round. It could yeah. feel a little bit empty and a little lonely. Yeah, and that's something I've definitely I've definitely noticed in the last year or so. Is I've, I've definitely ch- it's changed the way that I go to GPs. You know, and even going back to GP Vegas, it's like you know I I know now that I have to if I go to like a two or three day GP, I have to make sure that I spend the last day doing nothing serious because the last couple of GPs I went to last year, I was having breakdowns just about every Sunday because I was mm-hmm. so exhausted. Where it's like I'm getting recognized constantly, I'm signing things, which is fantastic. Like I'm not trying to poo poo that at all, but it just takes a lot of energy. You know, you're trying to be competitive for nine rounds and you're trying to meet people and socialize and put on your game face because when you meet your fans you got to put on your game face mm-hmm. yeah. um, and by Saturday night I'm just spent and for yeah. a while there I was just I would play nine rounds of magic I would meet a lot of fans and then it would be like hey eight of us are going out for dinner you yeah. want to come and then by Sunday I was just this tired weeping mess and so you know only in the last six months have I really realized that okay if it's Sunday you gotta just do some fuck shit. Play yeah. EDH, do nothing serious, don't do podcasts on Sundays, don't do videos on Sundays, <laughs> don't do nothing serious on Sunday because I just can't handle it. Yeah. And um, I know that I need to have friends at GPs. I can't go to events by myself anymore because I don't have anyone to ground me. Um, I get stabby when I have nobody to ground me, and that's not good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know that when I go to GPs, I need to know that there are friends there. I need to to use my time wisely and know when I've had enough. And and that's you know that's certainly for another show, but just sort of self care at events is a thing. Yeah, 
for sure. I mean, one of the crazy things about GPs, and especially being a public figure like you, I can imagine you're getting pulled in all kinds of different directions at all times. Yeah. And like you said, putting on your, you know, your podcast face or however you want to describe it is is difficult. You know, it's it's people want to see you and they want to meet you, and that's their first interaction with you. And uh, for you, it's just like you know, you're just trying to play or whatever. You're, you're doing a bunch of other things, and it's uh, it's difficult to kind of put your all into every interaction you have. But it's uh. It's worthwhile when you can do it, you know. Like oh said. yeah, like I said, it's just it's just something that I had never really budgeted for. Yeah. You know, like I started just going to events, and then before I knew it, it was happening, and I didn't prepare for it. But mm-hmm. now that I know that it's a thing, and I know that it's a part of my life, and again, a beautiful part of my life. Like I'm not complaining at all, you know. But now that I know that it's a possibility, I know that okay, when you're done with your nine round main event, you need to go home <laughs> or go back to your hotel and watch forensic files in your underwear because <laughs> you don't have the energy to do anything else. Um, whereas before. I would just go party and and spend all my spoons, so to speak. Yeah, and yep. you know, Sunday comes around, and it was like before I would I would do guest hosts on Sunday, and I would go record videos, and I would go do deck techs, and it was like no 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 no. Like by Sunday, you need to just have dro- a drooling dumb good time with some people <laughs> and have nothing, no EV whatsoever. And um, you know, now that I know it's a thing, I've I've gotten a lot better at preparing for it. Yeah, being self aware is so important, so so important. So, yeah. well. Aaron, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the cast today. It was really awesome to talk to you. Um, talk a little bit about Dredge. Was there anything else you wanted to add in before we got into some scoops of Top 8? No, I just want to say that I'm so happy to see that Modern Dredge is doing well. Like, I'm so happy. Like, we are very close to Modern Dredge being a Tier 1 deck, and it is a beautiful thing. Um, the deck is very good right now. There's so many ways to play it. You can play it with Shriekhorns. You can play it with Greater Gargadons. Nobody's ready for it. Um, no, you know, most of the hate that people are playing, we are completely ready for. And so, you know, it's also very affordable. I think it costs about $300. Mm-hmm. And most of that is like blood gas in the land. So, you know, really? if you can't, yeah. So if you can't necessarily afford the legacy version, I encourage you to play the modern version. It's a very good time to be playing it. Um, it's very affordable and it's so much fun. And you're really just kind of, you know, it's good to get in before nobody knows what it is. I'm taking yeah. it to GP Indie and, uh, I'm just so happy to see that. Like I said, I love the deck so much and I will never, we'll probably never get to that point in legacy ever again. But if we can get there in modern kids, that's, <laughs> and, very it's, happy and it's, it's legit and vintage too. So you always have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a thing, and we're, I'm just so happy to see it. Now, out of curiosity, what's kind of pushed that deck up? Has it been inclusion of new cards, or has it just been innovation by the people who are piloting the decks? Uh, Insolent Neonate and Prize Amalgam. Uh, Insolent okay. Neonate in particular is fantastic. Um, being able to discard a Grave Troll on turn one and start dredging is fantastic. Um, Prize Amalgam is gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also seen some inclusions of Haunted Dead um, from Eldritch Moon, uh, one or two copies of that as well. Um, you know, also just the format is so damn diverse right now. You know, the Eldrazi ban was very good for modern, um, and everything is fair game nowadays. And you're seeing things like Taking Turns, Death Shadow is a tier one deck. What? Mm. Um, you know, Merfolk, Jund, it's just a really good time to be playing modern and anything is possible and, uh, Dredge certainly counts as anything, so we're, we're riding the wave. Yeah, I would say that, like, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, uh, people who, I don't play any modern currently, but I'm not gonna lie, playing a Dredge deck in modern sounds pretty awesome. Um, I think it helps that people stop getting cute. You know, sure. I think a lot of the reasons that the deck suffered before is people were doing too much. They were like, we're going to put a Vendine, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do a Grider Gargadon. And we're, it's like, girl, just make it <laughs> lean. Think of it like turkey bacon, just lean, no cuteness, just a smooth, well-oiled engine, a lot of four-ofs, very quad-lasery, if you mm-hmm. know what that is, um, and just don't get cute. And I think now that we finally found a good build, props to MTG Mint. That whole team, Lishi Tian and them, they were the ones who came up with the build that most of us are using right now. God bless them. Um, and that's really the, the build 
build that we're using right now is just so tight. And I think it just took, uh, I think the two new cards from Shadows helped. And I think just finding, getting rid of all the fuck shit and just having a, a, a smooth engine really helped. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'd love to, uh, to check out that deck. Um, I don't play any modern currently, but it's something that, uh, I wouldn't mind having a deck together. It's not a bunch of money to, to throw one, you know, together. And it, like you yeah. said, it doesn't, they don't rotate out. So. They're good for life. And also, too, you know, I've learned a lot of things. You know, I've, I've played Legacy Dredge more than I have Modern Dredge, but I have to say there are things I've learned from playing Modern Dredge that I've been able to apply to Legacy Dredge as well. So, you know, think of it that way, too, where if mm-hmm. you, you know, you can take the lessons you learn from one and apply them to the other, and so it's kind of win-win. Yeah, Jerry's been pushing for me to try out the, because uh, he has an Amodo and he wants me to, to try the deck out, just because playing the deck will get you better at learning how to beat the deck, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, Absolutely. It, that's always good there too. Um, all right, well, we're gonna go move into some scoops. Uh, so we don't do shout outs on the show. We scoop people in the top eight, Aaron. So we're gonna let you go first as the guest, our, our esteemed colleague. Uh, is there anyone, <laughs> is there anyone you want to scoop in the top eight tonight? Um, I mean, I have to do this because he had a very hard weekend. You know, he lost his, his finals match and I'm gonna scoop Reduke in the top eight because <laughs> your boy Duke. <laughs> it's safe. I mean, Reed is everything. We yeah. don't deserve him. I mean, I, did I tell you about my latest idea? Uh, no. Okay. Are you guys familiar with the feminist Ryan Gosling meme? Um, I mean, I'm a fan of Ryan Gosling in general. I, I'm, a, I'm sorry, I don't know this meme, but... Okay, so uh, if you Google feminist Ryan Gosling, uh, there's actually a book about it, too. So somebody started taking pictures of Ryan Gosling and putting, like, really, like... Hey girl, that's not the, you know, I, my sweater is made out of the material, boyfriend material. And like, just really sweet, like, but a lot of them are like really respectful too, where it's like, hey girl, keep your laws off my body, but keep your hands on it. And just like really <laughs> kind of things. And I was like, wouldn't it be fabulous if we did like feminist reduke where it was like, hey girl, let's discuss intersectional feminism in between pairings and like, you know, you just take pictures of Reed with like really sweet kind of things where it's like, you know, hey girl, your basic lands may not match, but you and I do. And just oh, can, can I tell you my Reduke story? Tell me your Reduke oh, story. Oh boy. So we're at, uh, we're at SCG Worcester and this is round two, I think. And we're at the 1 0 table, whatever. And I sit down. My opponent sits down for me. He actually knew who I was uh, for the podcast, but then, you know, adjacent from us, uh, sits down Reduke. So, my, my opponent and I were playing out our game. We're pretty friendly, so we're able to look around. We're not too intense. Um, and I look over and I see, uh, Reed Duke's opponent just, uh, basically turn over his deck and start pl- laying out all his cards on his, on his, uh, on his play mat. And I'm watching Reed Duke and Reed Duke's on elves. So he has, he has really no interaction for this deck. And I see him get 2-0'd in about five minutes by oops all spells. And oh, uh, I cannot tell you how bad I felt for Reed Duke. I just, uh, it was, it was awful. It was awful. I mean, at least it wasn't a feature match. But you could just tell, like, ugh. oops, all spells. I actually lost the same kid later that day, who kind of knocked me out for to to stay in for this for day two contention or whatever. And uh, I fucking hate oops, all spells as a deck. And I just it was just horrible <laughs> to see. I felt so bad. I actually wanted to talk to Reed because I'm like, oh, you know, maybe we can have him come on the podcast. And then I saw him play oops, all spells, and I saw him get faced by that deck, and I'm like, oh, I can't talk to him now. <laughs> Okay, he's not gonna want to talk to anybody. <laughs> oh, babe. Yeah, I was so, I was so happy for him that he made top eight. And then I, I remember waking up in the morning and he made top eight and I was so happy. And then we went to a PPTQ and they were showing footage of it in the background. They had like a big projector going as we, they had rented a, a conference room or like a big hall for it. And it was LSV versus Bay again. Mm-hmm. And Heather Dawn loves her LSV and I love Reed. So we were calling it Battle of the Bays. <laughs> and so we were doing like some light smack talk and then I saw it and it was like, I wanted to fall to my knees and look at the sky and go, no. Well, 
and just I just love Reed so much. You know, I'm I'm just really impressed at Reed that he made it as far as he did so recently off mm-hmm. of his starring role in Netflix original series Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. You, you should watch it. <laughs> because it looks like Reed Duke's long lost brother is one of the characters in that show. It really does, yeah. I almost got into a fight over him at my local game store. Did I ever tell no. you that? No. <laughs> okay. So Reed Duke is the wallpaper on my phone. <laughs> does does it's Reed from Duke uh, <laughs> No, he might. I, he has to be aware. I'm amazed he hasn't filed a restraining order, to be honest, but um, I think he's hip to it to some degree. Um, so, so he was the wallpaper on my phone, and there was somebody at my local game store who is more of a kitchen table player, and he doesn't really know much about the pro scene. And so I was going through my phone, and I, I closed out some windows, and it, it you know showed the wallpaper. And he goes, who's that ugly guy on your phone? And I was just like, you don't... And I was like, you don't know who that is? He's like, no, but he's hideous. And I was like, no. Did you jam a D20 like, down his throat? I want to know. <laughs> I was like, is that a disparaging remark about my read? About my day? And he was just like, but who's Ray? Who's that? Like, I was like, that's Reed Duke. Oh, jeez. And so if I had rings on and if I had earrings on, I would have taken them off. It was just like, bitch. And so, um, and the people around us were like, you don't know who Reed Duke is? And they were like, yeah, but he's, and I was like, no. And I, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of Adrian's favorite stories, he actually told me about this, uh, this is a few, few years ago at a, at a GP in Providence, I think. He said it was like round one and round one pairings had been called and he was actually like at a deck trying to furiously resleeve his deck in time for the tournament and obviously he was running late at this point. And a uh, guy sat down next to him and asked him if he wanted help and started to help sleeve his deck and it was Reed Duke who was actually mm-hmm. just like, just being a super nice guy. So oh, yeah. he speaks a lot to his character. I think he's just one of the nice guys in the, uh, in the game. So unfortunately I he was out able- so hard around him too. Like I keep calling him Reed Duke when I see him. Like I, so <laughs> he signed him. Yeah, yeah, that's how you know I'm nervous. So I had, I had obtained a bunch of his night tokens, the SCG ones. I got like, you know, 15 of them. Um, and, uh, he was a cheapy Oakland and I was like, hi Reed Duke. I was like, I get you. I have some tokens for you to say Reed Duke. Are you busy Reed Duke? So, so he gives me the Sharpie and he's like, sup, Aaron? I was like, oh, I'm good, Reed Duke. How are you? We're just kind of like looking at the floor and like kicking my feet and stuff. And um, I think he's hip to everything. And here's how I know this. When we went to GP Detroit, he fixed someone's car because he's fucking Reed Duke. But there's a picture of him. I think Chapin took the picture. And it's like Reed Duke, uh, I don't speak car, but like he's, there's like, I think a jack was happening or something. But he's hunched. The car was lifted and he was leveling something. But anyway, so he's like crouched down and like he's rolled up his sleeves and his Pantheon shirt and there's guns. And Evan tags me in it and he goes, tagging original asterisk for value. And there's a picture of Reed. <laughs> and then Reed liked that. <laughs> and he's so wise. Just, he's wise like, to you, Aaron. He knows what's going on here. And he's just a really good sport about it. But um, I have tried to I have tried to, to tone it down a little bit because people have started tagging him in where <laughs> You know, before it was like, you know, so there was somebody at GP one time and they were like, oh, my God, Aaron, at Reed Duke is eating an apple. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you didn't, you didn't have to take him in that. You could have just said, I'm sitting next to Reed and he's eating an apple. But no, you had to do, I'm sitting next to you at Reed Duke. Your spot, man. What's up? And, right. And it's just like, oh, no, it's just taking on a life of its own. So I'm trying really hard not to queen out about him anymore because I don't want to make his life hell. And I don't want to be creepy. But for a while there, we were going really hard on it. But no, he's fabulous. And we all don't deserve him. And he's just great. <laughs> so I just want to welcome everybody to the Reed Duke, Reed Duke talk hour. <laughs> 
I, you know, honestly, if the girlfriend bracket were to implode, that's the next project. <laughs> I'll read all the time. It'll be like the home shopping network. Just... Oh man, yeah, definitely one of the good guys. Uh, obviously had a really good showing at the uh, last Pro Tour. So I feel like he's so close to winning. I don't think he's won a Pro Tour, but I feel like he's so close to getting one. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want him to get in there and and lift that trophy one time, just one time. Yep. It'd be awesome to see. Um, so all right, so you're scooping in Reed Duke. Do you have anyone else you want to scoop in the top eight? Who else? <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> How about you, what are you Jay? trying to say? Reed isn't enough? Like, no, I mean, I'm just saying you, you had a chance to scoop in a few people, I guess. Like, I'm giving you the option. <laughs> All right, Aaron, Aaron says Reed Duke and the rest are a hard pass. Uh, you, you go Aaron, first. You can throw them in the bulk <laughs> rares box. <laughs> you, you go first, Pat, because uh, my, mine's a segue. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so... So I'm going to scoop in. First of all, Aaron, I want to scoop you into top eight. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. I've been, you know, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. We've talked on Twitter for a long time. It was great to meet you in Columbus. And, uh, you know, you're such a good sport about, you know, about the dredge deck and just being a proponent for the deck that it's really great to have you on the show and get you to talk about the deck. Um, I'm going to scoop in Jerry as well because the only way he's beating me is if I scoop him in top eight. So. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know I'm gonna scoop in my kids because I took them to the uh, took them to the aquarium today and I got like one of the coolest pictures ever of the two of them in front of a shark tank and like a shark right between their heads and it was uh I, I took the picture and I'm like yeah I was real proud of myself because I don't want really to get a lot of good pictures. So. Your kids are so freaking cute. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, they're they're good boys and they're uh, actually I think Jerry, have you met them yet? Yeah, I, I met them yeah, uh, when we remember. picked you up for GP Columbus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I met the, met the two little ones. So little ginger baby. Uh, yeah, I looked at him and I'm so like, all right, just you wait 16 years, then we're going to Tijuana. He's <laughs> gonna come back a lobster. Yeah. Liam, Liam, Liam's my four year old, and he keeps asking me when he can start playing magic with me. I'm like, buddy, as soon as trust me, as soon as that kid can play, I'm gonna build him a deck, and he's gonna come with me. Every time I go out to play, he's gonna be tagging along with me so I can't wait Will to you like... send them to Auntie Aaron's house and instead of playing memory we'll play blind cabal therapy <laughs> like... I'm keeping my kid away from that dredge deck Aaron <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright Jerry so uh, you obviously have something something planned here so uh, well first I'm going to scoop in Aaron thanks so much for coming on uh, yeah oh, basically it. everything Thank Pat you. said you know I thought at first he just you know he, he went first so he got to say it <laughs> Uh, also, Adrian, I don't know where, where he is, but, rip. <laughs> Rest in pepperoni. Rest in painters. Uh, and I'm also gonna scoop in Brayden Defoe for taking some initiative around here, getting something done. Uh, we're gonna go with the will of the people. Now, Aaron, I don't know if you, you know, but we have had a contentious issue on the cast for the last several months. Uh, yes, oh, and it's really? how we end the cast. Now, what okay. we've been doing is we've been rolling a 20-sided die, and then going that many years, either past or before 1993, when Magic started, choosing, uh, that year, b- bringing up the Billboard Top 100, and then rolling a 20-sided die again and choosing that song to play the uh, podcast out. Wow, yeah. this is deep. It's, it's <laughs> very deep. It's, it's very convoluted. And it's, it's, lots of layers. it's like an onion. It's more layers than it's I It's like an onion. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it's formed two camps. Some people hate it. Other people love it. Mostly the haters hate it because we've gotten some pretty poor choices lately. Yeah. <laughs> Though I still say uh, LaBouche was a, a great choice. <gasps> LaBouche. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank right. you. Sure. <laughs> Um, now wait a minute. Are we talking sweet dreams oh, or be, be my, my lover? lover. Be my lover. Okay, be my lover is everything. That is. Yes. And it was sweet dreams. I could pass sweet dreams. But if it was the other one, hey, I had ultimate dance parties. Don't push me. Um, you know, my rule of thumb is, you know, one of the things that I love to say is, who really cares what all the peasants think? And so you do what you want to do, and those who don't like it, too bad. <laughs> So, so Jerry, what well, are we doing? Thank, this comes back around to Braden. Took the initiative. He started a Facebook post on our uh, Leaving a Legacy page on Facebook, where he asked all the listeners to submit a song uh, that they want to hear the song play out with. So we are going to use this as our list uh, for. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> as our list of songs to play us out. So, uh, are we ready, Patrick? I have a twenty-sided die right here. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna do the twenty on this okay. list. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So, all right. So before before we do this, can we do some uh, some contact info? We'll do the uh, we'll do the die roll yeah, and we'll get sure. out of here. All right. So, Aaron, if people want to uh, talk to you on Twitter about Dredge or they want to follow you uh, with some of your projects with the Girlfriend Bracket or Magic Mike's, where can they find you? All right. Well, I'm on Twitter. That is Original Estrus, O-R-I-G-I-N-A-L-O-E-S-T-R-U-S. You can email me at OriginalAstrus at gmail.com, twitch.tv slash Original Estrus. I just started getting into streaming. Not very good at it, but I'm having a lot of fun. Um, you can follow Magic Mike's at, at Magic Mike's Cast on Twitter, at the GF bracket for the girlfriend bracket. Um, we are all on iTunes, uh, so feel free to listen to us and leave a review. Um, I'm pretty good about replying to things, uh, so if you shoot me something, I'll probably shoot it back. If I don't like it, I'll just block you. But I do. Um, not personal, and I might unblock you a week later. It's just what it is. Um, if you see me at events, I'm pretty cool. I usually have stickers and magnets and things like that. And the Skype original Estrus, everything's pretty much just Estrus all the time, so it's not hard to find me. All Estrus all the time. What about you, Jerry? <laughs> uh, I am at JMEE3RD on the Twitter. Uh, hit me up. I'm on the Facebook group pretty regularly as well. Apparently, people have been telling us it's hard to find the Facebook group. I don't know how to solve your problem, but uh, if you want it, you'll find it. <laughs> that is the worst self-promotion I've ever heard, Jerry. Very oh, nice. Uh, uh, hey, if you, you want, want it bad, bad enough, enough you'll, yep, you'll exactly. Find it. <laughs> uh, and I've also started writing for uh, Hipsters of the Coast. I'm on there every other Tuesday, usually with a legacy brew. Cool. Though I just wrote about my first modern deck, uh, which came out uh, yeah. in the three weeks from now by the time this comes out. And Jerry is a proponent of the spicy 61st card in all of his decks, so if you see a 61 card deck out there, and there's a chance that Jerry had a hand in it. <laughs> oh, man, you must be a fan of Travis Wu. Uh, parts. <laughs> I like to say that Saffron Olive is the Travis Wu without Yeah, without Mein Kampf. And that I don't know how that guy puts out so much friggin' content. It's insane. That guy's oh, yeah. insane. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, all right, and uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Pat Uglo. You can find the uh, cast. Uh, you should be able to search for Leaving Lexi on Facebook. I don't know why people are having a problem, but I'll drop the link in the show notes as well. 
Um, you can find us on iTunes, Leaving Legacy. Leave us a review. Uh, and uh, I think that's it, man. Uh, you can find Adrian at Mathmetrickster also when he's on Twitter, if he's still around. <laughs> alive. So, if he's alive. So, Jerry, let's, let's yep. hit this. Uh, also, here. just to let listeners know, if your song gets chosen, I'm going to delete it off the list. Don't take it personally. That's just so we don't have repeats. Oh, oh yeah, because we're going to be doing this for the next ten years, Pat. I'm, I'm hoping to dodge the Oscar. <laughs> Who was it? Uh... Be glad yeah. this isn't my show. I wouldn't expect also, it also also <laughs> scoop uh, scoop into Brad uh, Roosh for uh, putting in Bohemian Rhapsody as his choice. <laughs> yeah, Wait a, little... a minute, did you just say you don't want Beyonce? Yeah, I'm not a, <gasps> not a fan. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a Jay. You got it. <laughs> I deserve. How I deserve. Dare you? All right. I just, I don't know, man. i just never been a big Beyonce fan. That's it. I'm putting laxatives in your water. Wow. I, I just got blocked up, I think. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, here we go. Got number four. What's number uh, four? I've got The World on a String by Frank Sinatra. Jesse Weathers. Jeez, hey, don't, don't you be dissing on Frank. <laughs> Is that like the Burn Players anthem? <laughs> it just might. All right. <laughs> but I, I'm gonna have to use my editing skills and uh, just plaster over. The <laughs> yeah, well, how, second, honestly, it's how fine. is your taste in music so bad that you don't like Frank Sinatra? Oh, he's well, a let's building block of pop culture. Yeah, he's like he was a he was a lounge singer oh, at best. Just end the cast. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. All right. Well, guys, I hope you have a great Monday, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Play us out with some sweet, Frank. sweet Frank. I've got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow. Got the string around my finger. What a world. What a life. I'm in love. I got a song that I sing I can make the rain go Anytime I move my finger Lucky me Can't you see I'm in love Life is a beautiful thing As long as I hold the string I'd be a silly so-and-so If I should ever let it go I got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow, got the string around my finger, what a world, what a life, I'm in love. Life is a beautiful thing, as long as I hold the string, I'd be a silly so-and-so. If I should ever let it go I got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string around my finger What a world